who had nothing to do. Good morning, or good. I didn't know it. We're so used to this. Produce content and have conversations for those. had nothing to do good morning or good i didn't know it we're so used to this produce content and have conversations for those Good morning or good evening, depending on whatever shift your seniority allows you to hold. I'm William Young, correctional officer, author, and advocate for the correctional profession. Tonight, I'll be your ever-so-gracious host and director of dialogue for the duration of this discussion. Allow me to welcome you with warm, unwavering, outstretched, and open arms to this week's edition of the Saturday Night Synopsis. Uh, so, I was working. I was coming off of my regular shift going to my overtime shift, which I do four or five times a week. And uh, we have a temperature check person, an officer that sits there and he, and he buzzes, uh, you know, puts the, puts the thing and, and makes sure that your temperature, that you're fine. So you're not spreading COVID throughout the facility. And, uh, and so I, I got my temperature taken and I started to walk past him and he goes, Hey, uh, he goes, Hey young, I, um, I watched your video last week and I liked it. And so I, I turned around and said, oh, hey, thanks a lot, man. And uh, I said, you know, I got another one coming out with uh, 
with Anthony Ganji on Tear Talk, and then I got another video coming out Wednesday, and and uh, we were talking a little bit. He goes, "Hey, he goes, um, do you do you like really know Anthony? Like, how do you how do you get in touch um, with him?" And I said, well, "I I just I just call I just call Anthony." He goes, "He goes, you have the Anthony Ganji's phone number," and I'm like, "Well, yeah, yeah, I do." And I said, "We talk, you know, several times a week," and. And he he did he didn't believe me, he didn't believe me. So tonight, what we're gonna do here? How's everybody doing? Here's what we're gonna do real quick. I'm gonna jump off the Facebook. So if you if you leave me comments, I'm not gonna see them. But I'm gonna go to my contacts right quick, okay? And I'm gonna pull up I'm gonna pull up Anthony Ganji, all right? And we're gonna give Anthony a call right here, and uh, and see if he'll see if he'll talk to us, okay? I'm gonna do speakerphone here. All right, can you guys hear that? Look, I don't want to share his, show his number. Hello, Anthony. Yeah, who's this? This is Will. Who? Uh, Will William Young. William, are you that Facebook guy that has that show? Anthony, you know who this is. Quit fucking with me. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> How you doing, man? Good man, I just wanted to fuck around. Hey, I, uh, I'm watching the show. It's, it's starting off pretty good, and I found out you were going to call me, so I ran upstairs like to make sure I get that phone. Nice. Well, I, I appreciate it. I was telling so you. So you heard the story, and I, I texted you earlier about this. The, the kid that was so so starstruck that uh, that I knew that I had the phone number for the Anthony Ganji. Uh, that I felt uh, that I felt like I had to prove myself, man. I had to show that that I was actually uh, that I had a direct line to. Uh, the tear talk, uh, the tear talk connoisseur, man. Well, to be honest with you, I'm a big fan of everything you're doing, and hopefully, when we get down to Nebraska, we could take that gentleman who's doing temperatures, and we could all go out for a drink and just shoot the breeze about just what we love to do. And, and Will, if I may, uh, I know you're busy. You got a show to do. I think you do phenomenal work. I think you are leading the way when it comes to officers' mental health, which is something that just people don't take enough interest in and you're letting them know that this is a serious issue and you're doing a lot for our heroes. So let me thank you for all the good that you are doing, sir. I am humbled to know you. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you saying that, man. I'm just trying to follow in your footsteps. You're, you're obviously Uh, trailblazer for our profession. What's, uh, uh, I'm sure these fine people that are watching the show have already checked out your tear talk podcast, but what's the, uh, what's the last step, the latest episode that just came out? Uh, we actually did a show for the Tear Talk podcast. Uh, it was me and Connie, and I believe we also had Louis Soto. Right. And we were discussing how do we feel when civilians get involved with custody interaction with inmates, like when an inmate may be non-compliant and the civilian decides to take control uh, when custody can't when custody can't maintain that control. It was a very good, healthy dialogue. Nice. Yeah, I, I checked it out. If everybody uh, get on whatever podcast platform you can and go and check out the Tear Talk podcast, even if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, it's completely different content. It's different yes. players. And uh, and yeah, it's, it's definitely it's definitely worth your time. All right, Anthony, I'm going to let you get back to whatever you got going on on your Saturday night. Tell Mama Ganji I said thank you for letting me borrow you for a little bit. And thanks for answering your phone, man. Uh, I love you. Man. All right. Take care, brother. Bye. Right, man, bye. Bye. All right, so there it is, Mr. Temperature Taker, Officer Guy. I, uh, I, I do have a line to the Anthony Ganji, and uh, and yeah, so I owe I owe some money for that uh, that great uh, endorsement there. But uh, 
so yeah, so this week I had a I had a really good uh, speaking of podcasts, I had a really good interview with uh, Joel Nest. Um, he's the uh, he's the host of the Ruck Up podcast, and I posted a link to it. It's a really good back and forth, and we just talked. I was the first correctional officer he's ever had on his show. Um, he he has all kinds of guests on his show, and uh, and it was a really cool back and forth. He asked a lot of questions about about uh, you know starting in the prep fashion and inmate and officer interactions. And it, it, it was a it was an interview that's a lot different than what I normally do. And I just think it was really cool back and forth. So if you got some time later, you're going to do dishes, you're going to sit on the couch and you've ran out of things on uh, Hulu Live to watch, then uh, then do me a favor, check it out and uh, and give Joel some love. And then uh, and then make sure you're stopping by and uh, and giving Anthony some love there on his on his stuff, too, because he's really he's really doing good things, guys. Um Something else here the 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 Facebook uh, the Facebook page is doing really good. I appreciate that. We're up to nine hundred and twenty nine subscribers. I'd like to get it up to a thousand. I'm not sure what I got to do uh, to do that. Maybe post some pictures of me and my dog or something that people really really care about, other than the the drabble I use usually release. But uh, so I'm going to do that. We're going to try to get that up to a thousand. And uh, I begged you guys last week to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Just Corrections. Uh, so I, I put out a video every Wednesday night, Just Corrections, and uh, and it's gotten really good. And I've got I got 300. So I, I was begging, I was like at 296. I said, can we get to 300? We're up to 336 now. And so I looked, uh, you know, because I'm um, I'm I'm a YouTuber now, right? So I look to see what I actually what what that is, right? So if you you know, some people got, you know, diamond and platinum and, and, and whatever. And, and if you have, uh, uh, I'm at the, I'm at the graphite level. If you, you have a hundred subscribers, you get uh, a graphite, uh, play button. They don't, they just send you an email. So I'm going to, uh, go ahead right now and I'm going to make my own YouTube play button. And I don't have a pencil, but I have a, I have a Sharpie here. So we're going to make, I'm going to make my own play button here. For people who are going to listen to this tomorrow, it's not. This is not very good. But what I have is I have a piece of uh, scratch paper, and I'm going to. Uh, I don't even have a pencil, so this is going to be a sharpie play button. And we're going to put this here. We're going to draw, and I'm going to put YouTube like this, and we're going to put 336 subscribers, just like that. See that? Let me try to get that up there. Very good. Very good. So we're going to put this up here and uh, we're going to put it yeah, right there by the coins. There we go. There we go. There's my graphite play button. Uh, no, but seriously, I'm getting a lot of I'm getting a lot of good feedback from the on the YouTube channel. A lot of new aspiring correctional officers coming and wanting the the information. So I want to I want to I want to tell them thank you. I want to thank all the people that are going, commenting, liking, sharing. Um all of that, and uh, and if you are just uh, checking into this profession and you're uh, applying to the academy and all that, then uh, then good luck, good luck, and welcome to the family. Um, another exciting, super exciting thing, guys, is uh, this week I finished uh, my second book. So you have all, I'm sure, everybody watching has my first book, right? When home becomes a housing unit. These lights are uh, pretty good, so there we go. Um, but I finished my second book and, uh, and it's done. I've sent it off to some people to read, to rip it apart, to edit it. And, uh, I'll, I'll make the, the little corrections, but, 
Pre-order is going to begin on that book on August 15th, and I'm going to reveal the cover and the title of the book live on the show, August 15th, Saturday night. And uh, so you want to make sure you're there for that. And then um, the book is going to go live in September. September 14th uh, is going to be a Monday. And so we're going to be talking about it and doing things leading up to that. So if you've read my book and uh, and you have a favorite chapter or there's something memorable about the book and you want to put that in the comments below, um, uh, let me know. Let me know. And uh, and then I'll and then I'll jump on there. I also started a new project this week. It's a super secret project, um, and uh, and we're going to announce that uh, at the end of August too. And and guys, the the, the show is the show is doing great. We uh, we have um, I have guests booked all the way until September, uh, and I'm still I've, I've I'm getting messages every day from people. I just talked to a guy uh, in uh, in Arizona uh, tonight that we're going to talk Monday to try to book an interview. And, uh, and so, yeah, so it's good. And I appreciate you guys watching and, and hopefully I can continue to bring you uh, good guests with, with good stories. Uh, so last week I, I, I asked you guys, I told you I wanted to start a new segment for the show and, uh, I wanted that to be called just part of the job. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to, uh, thank officers. I wanted you guys to send me, uh, uh, contact information, stories of officers that you felt, we're going over and above um, just the normal job, right? And and a lot of times we don't get recognized uh, for those things that we do. And so I wanted to take uh, the opportunity on the show live and and call them and tell them thank you. So uh, because I got zero feedback from you guys um, and uh, you left me high and dry, uh, I have I have deadlines, I have schedules, I got I, there's shit I got to do, right? And I needed your help, and you left me. Alone, so so I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna make the first call, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna pick the first person that that we're gonna recognize on the show. Uh, so we're gonna new a new uh, uh, we're gonna call another another guy here. So stand by. Hello, Jason. Yes, sir. Hey, this is Bill. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Good. You? I'm fantastic, man. I'm in the middle of a I'm in the middle of a, a live broadcast. Awesome. But I know, I know you don't watch it, though. Yeah, that's me. I don't go to the picnic either. No, that's me. I don't go to the picnic. Oh, that's right. I'm confused. Right. My so, bad. right. So this is this is one of my good. This is one of my my coworkers, my good friends at uh, at our facility, and he. Uh, the reason I love him so much is that he he calls me on my bullshit all the time. He checks me all the time, and uh, and if I'm uh, getting off the rails a little bit, uh, then he pulls me in. But uh, Jason, I wanted to call you tonight because I'm doing a new segment on the show, and awesome. and it's called "Just Part of the Job." And 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 what I want to do is I want to take the time to recognize correctional officers, correctional professionals that I feel go above and beyond their job descriptions. And so when I was and so I put the call out last week for the audience to come up with somebody. They came up with nobody. And so I was sitting there thinking this week. I'm like, who? Who in my life, who in my in my correctional journey, would be the one person that I could say, you know what, this person really uh, changed my life for the better. And so I and I and I thought of you. And so I wanted oh, I wanted to call you and I wanted to personally thank you, and uh, for everything that you do for not only me but for your staff, uh, for your officers and for the profession. Um, and uh, and I and I got to and I got to let you know, man. I just I I love the positivity. I love. Uh, the way you handle yourself, 
the way you've built your reputation throughout the years. And and I got to know, can you can you give these guys uh, some advice? Let them know how have you maintained your positive attitude for what are you 20, 20 years, 25 years? The uh, start of my 23rd year, June 1st. So how do you do it, man? What's what's the what's the secret? Because you're 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 a uh, you're a lighthouse, man. In the, in the in the dark and, and stormy waters, you, you're you're a go to guy, man. You're a guy people want to be around. Well, I appreciate that. I'm very flattered and kind of breathtaking away. That's not real good at taking uh, praise, but I really do genuinely appreciate it. Um, I guess I would say is that. Being successful in corrections takes uh, takes a village. It takes a whole team of people. And uh, part of it um, that I think helped me make it through, I had, I had a couple instances in my career where I wanted to throw in the towel and uh, the pressure cooker known as uh, a correctional facility had got me to the point where I didn't know if it was the career for me was, first of all, positive role models, positive people. Um, that I had worked around in my 23 years. I had, I was fortunate enough to have um, some really good supervisors, um, one of them by the name of Albert Bass, who's a almost 36-year, I think, staff member at our facility. Great guy. And then Kevin, Kevin Kozel. Great guy. Um, who's been there for 30-plus years. They were uh, people that helped bring some positivity to a real negative, hardcore environment. Um, working in, you know, some of the max units at the time and having them show me the positive side of doing the job, being firm, fair, consistent, um, taking pride in your work, their work ethic. They both uh, led by example and gave me the uh, constructive criticism that allowed me to grow and develop and realize that uh, you can be respected and you can enforce the rules of an environment like a housing unit or a correctional facility, being a gentleman, being polite, being respectful, um, and with integrity. And uh, I, 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 I sincerely say that I don't know that I would be the person that I am, the supervisor that I am, without those two giving me the, uh, the positive role modeling. And that's uh, one thing I will say that is important in corrections is I went to college. I was fresh out of uh, college with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, and uh, I don't regret getting a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, but I will, as we all know, there's no uh, exact science to working in that type of environment. Right. And, and the only way that people are going to grow and develop is for the people that have been there, that have the experience that have been through the, the harsh situations, the hardcore stuff, is to share that information and be a positive role model for the ones coming in the door. <clears throat> and I truly feel like it's easy as a veteran, a grizzled veteran, to get caught up in uh, just wanting to do your job and, and, and uh, think about it from a perspective of where you know a lot of the answers and have been through the, the, the battles and the situations and the trials and tribulations. But if we don't share that information, we're not helping our facility grow. We're not making it the safest environment possible for ourselves, 
our coworkers, the uh, the inmate population that Douglas County trusts or the facility trusts us with um, maintaining safety and security for. So we're really we would be doing um, not only our th- those people but our facility and ourselves a disservice by not being like those two people were with me and helping me right. work through the hard times. Um, I guess the third person I definitely shouldn't forget is my mom. Um, uh, raised my sister and I, from age, me from age 12, uh, by herself, worked two jobs, and uh, had a very strong work ethic. And uh, I was in one of my frustrating moments, and I um, called my mom, and I told her I wanted to quit. And she said, Jason, um, life's going to get hard. No matter where you work, it's going to get hard. Um, and you are at a point in your life where you need to uh, – establish a good work record and you don't want to be the person that when stuff gets hard, you take your marbles and go home and jump from job to job to right. job. You need to give it a year. If, uh, it doesn't work out, you've given it every bit of you. You've worked through the hard stuff and tried to, to, to take the steps necessary to becoming better at what you do. Um, then by all means, walk away and, and you'll at least know you gave it everything you got. Right. And uh, I did what she said along with the other positive role models. And uh, here I am 20, 20 plus years later and a supervisor for the last uh, going on 17. And um, I've had a lot of good opportunities. And uh, I also have other people like a man that may be on the phone, other end of the phone that. Is this a three? You got somebody on three way? No, I, I don't believe in three ways. Uh, I, I know there's a man named Bill Young, Scott McLowry, yeah, um, some other guys and, and ladies that uh, even when I'm down and I'm frustrated and I'm and I'm at wit's end because um, everything breaks loose all at once. I have people that give me the the positivity and the uh, hey, together we're gonna make it through this. And uh, I've been through a lot of hard times with you. Um, you're a master at what you do, too. Um, your communication is uh, second to none. Um, your uh, ability to think on the fly and to uh, overcome situations and strategize is uh, something to be uh, to be recognized as well. And uh, I wouldn't be the supervisor I am without fine corrections professionals like you. Scott and I, I can't sit here and go through the whole Rolodex, There's but a lot of them, yeah. names names that come up because we do have a lot of really good people that are really good at what they do where we work and uh, and and truly make it the environment right. and you make it through especially these recent tough times and uh, you know the situations that have been thrown our way in the last few months or we probably wouldn't be in definitely wouldn't be in the spot where we're without them. Mm rising to the top like we do we are adapt and we overcome well thanks for that thanks for that jason and thanks for what you do buddy i'm gonna jump on i got a guest waiting in the wings but i want to i want to tell you man i love you and i appreciate what you do and i'll I'll see you soon okay buddy hey i love you more all right brother All all right all right guys that is the that is exactly what i wanted uh that segment to be um there are uh there are hundreds of thousands of us working busting our ass every day, doing crazy stuff, and we need some recognition, and we can't always get it from the top. 
and so I'd like to do it from the bottom. <laughs> okay. All right, I got my guest waiting in the wings, but before I introduce my guest, I have to go to my sponsor. <laughs> no, I don't have a sponsor. All right, my guest tonight was a sergeant in the United States Army. He did four tours in Iraq in places like Fallujah, Ramadi, and Tel Afar. He's a captain at his correctional facility and a contractor for Guardian RFID. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jeff Jackson. Jeff, welcome to the show. Hey, man, what's up? I'm glad to be here. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Listen, uh, my, enjoy did, the chat. Did I, did I say that, is it Ramadi? Is that right? Yeah, it's Ramadi. So my, my uh, I, I typed up some notes and my spell check made it Ramada. And I, and I didn't think that you did a tour at the Ramada Inn. No, definitely not. I am a Hilton guy. Oh, so. nice, nice. Do you do you yeah. get do you get paid to uh, to spon- from a uh, sponsorship from them or what? I, I I do not. I'm just a snob when it comes to hotels. Very so. good, very good. So when when we go when we go stay somewhere, and I don't know how particular you guys are, but uh, the first thing my wife does is she rips the covers off the off the bed. She's not sleeping on them covers. Um, you know, she watched a, a show about hotels and bed bugs back in 1997, and uh, and it's stuck with her this whole time. So. So, you know, we're wiping down remotes, we're wiping down, this is, this is pre-COVID, right? This is, this is just normal, uh, in the meantime, I'm on the other bed just kicking back, I'm, I'm all over the pillows, I'm all over the blankets, I don't, I don't right. even really care, you know? So, do, are you, are, are you a wipe down everything guy, or you just, you just jump? Oh, right no, 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 that's the only way to boost your immune system is you just jump right in, man. Yeah, it's like my, and that's why I tell my kids, I haven't, I, before COVID, I wash my hands now, but before COVID, I didn't wash my hands since since the early '90s, and uh, and you know, and I and I'm fine. You know, um, uh, my immune system is is constantly doing push-ups uh, or whatever immune systems do all the time. All right, we're just yeah. I wasn't afraid of COVID at all with all the crap that the uh, the army injected us with before uh, the deployments right. with you know like smallpox, anthrax, all that stuff. A little COVID nineteen is nothing. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Why? Uh, why'd you? Why'd you get into the army, man? Why did I join? Yeah. I uh, small town USA. You know, I tell everybody I'm from Memphis. It's actually about a uh, 22 miles south of Memphis, a little town called Hernando. Okay. But no one's ever heard of Hernando, Mississippi. Never. We're a suburb of Memphis. Well, you know, raised up small, uh, ran with the wrong crowd, uh, developed a little bit of a, uh, a bad boy image, substance abuse problem when I was 16, 17, uh, and then it, it was kind of like, uh, uh, you know. You can join the military. It was back before you actually could do it. You know, join the military or you know, and change your life, or you know, you're you're actually gonna you know spend a, a life in, in jail. Right, right. So you know, uh, I ended up uh, dropping out of high, not taking that advice, dropping out of high school. Uh, that didn't work out very well. I uh, ended up getting sent to a court ordered military school, uh, which uh, Helped me with my love of getting told uh, what to do and waking up at six o'clock in the morning to get the crap ran out of you. But uh, when I got out of that, uh, you know, tried college for about six months, and you don't realize in just six months of military school of getting up, making your bed, standing in line to eat, how much discipline to really put into a 17-year-old, 18-year-old kid until you go and you're a freshman in college. And you're like, wow, all of these knuckleheads are idiots. No, I get you know? it. I get it because my, my oldest boy, he's 20 now, and he's in the Navy. And and and, oh, good, and, good. and, and from six, he's a, he's a corpsman. And from six, 
medic. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, he wants to be a devil doc. So he's he's working towards that. Right now he's in he's in North Carolina delivering babies. So he want he he joined the navy to be a combat medic and he's delivering uh babies right now. So That'll happen, yeah. <laughs> but uh but no, he so uh, I, I was on him. Do your work, do your homework, do your homework, do your homework. And, uh, and so when he got into the Navy, uh, you know, there's things that you have to do. You have to pass tests. You have to do these things. And, uh, and he got into his schools after boot camp and all this. And he's like, you know, we're asking him, we said, uh, you know, are you studying? Are you studying? He goes, yeah. He goes, they, they tell you what they want you to know and you just do it. And then I, I talked to him a few months ago and he's like, man, dad, I wish I would have known that if you just studied and took the tests in school, that it was that easy. And I'm like, man, I've been, I've been telling you for 10 years, dude. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, no, you, the, the difference in him from when I watched him walk onto that plane. And then when he came yeah. back, um, just, just incredible. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's a grown up man. He's a grown man. Yeah. It, it'll do it to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was wasting away in small town USA. Uh, and, you know, uh, it, it was funny. Uh, I actually, you said you saw the Navy. I tried to join the Navy first. Okay. So, uh, yeah, because I, I was always pretty smart in school. You know, I, I scored really high on the ACT and uh, I scored super, super high on the, uh, the the ASVAB, you know, the test the military gives you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went and talked to the Navy recruiter because at the time my, my neighbor was a Navy vet, right? He was like, I'll take you up to the Navy recruiter. And, uh, you know, they looked at my scores and I'm like, wow, hey, take this test. And it was called, it was a nuke test. You know, it, it tests your like uh, chemical know-how and your, you know, your how you are with algebra and equations and things like that. And I passed it, and they were like, "Hey, we'll give you an eighty thousand dollar enlistment bonus, but you have to sign on for eight years." And in 1999, eighty thousand dollars to an eighteen-year-old kid sounds like a lot of money. Right. So I was like, "Sign me the f up," right. you know. So the crazy thing, I was a little bit of a chubster at the time. <laughs> uh, you know go down to maps, do all the things. And they do that little, you know, where they measure your neck, measure your waistline. Right. I was 0.02% over the body fat limit to join the Navy. So I'm like, Oh crap. So I'm at the MEP station in Memphis sitting, you know, in the middle of all the recruiting stations, everybody's closing up shop. I've called the recruiter to come, you know, pick me up. And the last one walking out of the office was an army recruiter. And you know, you could see that I was down and out. He's like, what's the matter, man? And I, t- I gave him the story. He's like, well, the Navy's 24%. I can get you in the Army right now. It's 26%. So I came back and saw him the next day. He said, you know, you got good ASVAB scores. You can literally do whatever you want. And, uh, you know, he, he told me about, you know, like being a mechanic or working on airplanes and things like that, which I should have probably done, right? Right. And he's like, well, what would you like to do? I was like, well, you know, I like to shoot guns. And, you know, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. He's like, you want to jump in that planes and blow shit up? And I was like, that sounds great. He was like, well, you can be an airborne ranger, right? $3,000 enlistment bonus. What he didn't tell me, that was going to be some of the hardest training I've ever done in my right, entire life. Right. So 18 years old, March 10th, 1999, uh, leave for basic training. And so I do 16 weeks of one station unit training at Fort Benning, which at the time was infantry school plus basic training. You don't get to go home on leave. You go straight. Uh, went straight into airborne school, passed airborne school, and then went straight into ranger indoctrination program, Damn. which was just three weeks of a gut check shit show. Uh, uh, somehow made it past that. And my first duty station, uh, I went up to uh, Was- uh, Washington State, just south of Seattle, to uh, Joint Base McCord, uh, Fort Lewis. 
uh, you know, had a blast. Uh, so uh, uh, the all's in the past. Uh, What, what do you what do you got in that glass there, buddy? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I'm still sipping on the Jameson Black Label from earlier. Okay. Uh, as I've gotten older, you know the whole blood sugar thing's hard to control, and I found out that bourbon uh, on the rocks is really low in sugar rather than pounding beers like I was doing in my twenties. Right. So I got to look after that girlish figure. Nice, nice. So yeah, so I yeah. usually I usually have a uh, a drink afterwards. Uh, but when we were kind of mm-hmm. getting ready for the show, I saw that you had one, so I had to run down. I ran down and and I grabbed uh, I grabbed mine. Uh, so we're gonna start early, a little bit early tonight. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate you uh, you breaking the seal yeah, on breaking it. Breaking the ice, yeah. So uh, so we we talked just kind of briefly, but I wanted to wait. Are you you said you're a Scotch guy or no? Oh no. Uh, well, it, like we were saying earlier, uh, we kind of got uh, cut off a little bit. I'm a inexpensive Scotch guy if someone else is buying. Because I've learned if anything is less than a hundred dollars a bottle, it tastes like brown rubbing alcohol. Or you know, it's just not good. Uh, you know, I've had a 14-year bottle of Glenlivet, uh, that's pretty good. And then, you know, I've had Johnny Walker Blue Label, and I've also seen the stuff that just says scotch on the outside of it that, you know, costs six dollars at a liquor store. Right. That you know could take paint off anything, so not really a Scotch guy. That's that's not for the faint of heart. I went to so I went. We have this little place here in town that has uh, it's like a Scotch has like hundreds of different Scotches and bourbons and all this. And oh. so I went with a couple of my buddies and and they were gonna we were gonna get some Scotch and I had never tried Scotch. I wasn't really even like a big drinker, but um, and so they got me a glass and uh, and it was terrible. It was uh, it was <laughs> it was not good. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm like, God, this is just, you know, and I'm trying to be like, yeah, whatever, you know, these guys are sipping and whatever. And were you uh, drinking it neat? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. No, it was bad. Yeah. So it was bad. So, um, I'm like, you know, it has like that, that burnt, you know, and I just, I, I just didn't like it. And so they said, well, okay, so let's try this then let's, let's get another one. So they get me another glass and, um, and so it tasted like if you've ever, if you've ever, uh, put out a campfire, Mm-hmm. So it tastes like it tastes like a wet campfire's asshole is what it tasted like. And uh, yeah, so I said, well, it was disgusting. So I said, well, maybe I need to build up my palate. Right. So right, I, right, I, right. So I went on a whiskey adventure. I said, I'm going to start with the the cheap, cheap whiskey, cheap shelf stuff. Um, you know, Jack, Jim, those kind of things. And yeah. uh, I didn't go below the Jack and the Jim, you know, the stuff that's on the bottom shelf that, you know, Oh, don't no, do it. No, yeah. No, don't no, do no, it. No, I'm yeah, not going to do man, that. Good man. No. Yeah. And, and so I made my way kind of around, um, and, uh, and I got hooked on a couple, uh, that I, that is like, that are like my go-to. Right. And so, but then I got all the way back around to scotch and, um, yeah, I don't like scotch. Uh, I just, I just, and I can drink, I can drink some bourbon. I can drink some whiskey. But, uh, yeah. but scotch is, is for me, it's just not good. Um, so that's good. Cause it's safe. I do want to try Johnny Walker at some point, just because it's, uh, I feel like you just, you have to at some point. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. See if it's so the height. Stay away from the green and the red label. Is that the you know, expensive start, or cheap? No, that's the cheap stuff. Okay. Right? That, yeah. That's the poor man, Johnny Walker. Like black is about, you know, 80 to a hundred dollars a fifth. Okay. The blue is going to run you about 175 or 200. So that's when somebody else buys it for you. Yeah. So well, let's do but it. Like I said, it, it, the taste is relatively the same, you know, 
but it's just aged longer. I just can't get behind scotch. You know, it's the single malt. Uh, it's same with, with bourbons and, and whiskeys. If it's a rye-based bourbon whiskey, I, I, I don't do rye. I can't do rye. No, I, I can't do rye. It, it's, it's got too much bite. Right. You know? Yeah, no. I, I wouldn't be able to taste after I drink it, you know? Yeah, it's just, and, and, and some of it, there, there's there's some of the higher-end bourbons uh, and whiskeys that I've, that I've, gotten into so when I, you know I, I i crept up to the hundred dollar bottles you know 130 dollar bottles and and they, oh. they're good they have some flavor i mean you can actually taste the different things and and you know they're high alcohol content but they're not just just burning your face um you know and then you learn to drink them so right you you breathe in your nose out your mouth that kind of stuff um but yeah i don't uh i hate the scotch I hate this guy. But it's if somebody terrible. wants to send, I don't know many people who like it. No, if somebody wants to send me a bottle of Johnny Walker, I'll definitely, I'll definitely give it a try. And right, uh, get them to sponsor you. That'd be good. Yeah, there, yeah. I just, I just spent yeah. three minutes telling them I think it sucks. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that's yeah. how sponsorships. No, they uh, can prove you wrong by showing you that it doesn't suck. You know. Okay, there you go, Johnny Walker. Uh, I yeah. will. Uh, uh, who does Johnny Walker? Is that a company or does like Jim Beam really make it? And just call it Johnny Walker. You know what? I don't know, but uh, I will find that out for you. Yeah. So how long? Do I'm you sure one of the listeners might know. They might know. Put it in the comment section if you know. There's people just kind of taunting me a little bit for uh, for sipping on some uh, on some whiskey here. Um, how long? How long were you in the army then? Uh, I did. I joined in uh, March of '99. Uh, got off active duty uh, in June of 2006. Mm. Funny story behind that, if we have time. We do. Uh, I was done. Like, by the time 2006 hit, I had been deployed three times, 01, 03, and 05. And I was originally supposed to get out in 2005, but I got stop loss for 18 months to do another deployment. You don't hear people talking about that now. That was a, that was a thing under the Bush administration okay. where they could stop loss you and involuntarily extend <laughs> your contract to go back to the deployment. Oh, that you know? would suck. So, uh, when I was getting out, what a lot of people don't know, and the Army recruiter is going to hate me after telling all your viewers, is that even you know when you're when you're a first termer and you sign up for three, four, six, whatever years on your first term, you're technically signing up for eight years. You just have an active term that you serve, and the remainder of that is inactive. Right. Nobody cares about that, but the problem is in 2001, some bad dudes you know flew some planes into buildings started a war with us. Yeah, I remember something so like that. So everybody was getting stop loss after that, and that's when they were like, they kind of had to come out of the bag. We're like, well, yeah, technically everybody's signing up for eight years. So uh, part of, uh, I was stationed at Fort Carson, Colorado. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with Colorado. Beautiful, beautiful country. Up there. Beautiful country. Beautiful country, but running five miles in Colorado altitude is not for the faint I can't heart. walk to my car. I was car. in shape, and my fat ass will be heaving walking upstairs. Right. You know, it was terrible, especially being from Mississippi. But part of the clearing process was going and talking to the National Guard recruiter uh, and they had to sign off on your paperwork if you were still, if you still felt under inactive reserve. I had been in for six, uh, six and a half, right at seven years. I still had one year of inactive reserve. I go talk to the National Guard recruiter and he's like, hey, uh, there's a really good chance that once you get out, you're just going to call, uh, you're a critical MOS, being infantry 11 Bravo, you're just going to get called right back up. And I was like, man, I really don't want that to happen. And then he fed me a half truth. He said, well, there's an infantry unit in your hometown who just got back from deployment, which was true. Okay. And they're non-deployable for five years since they just got back, okay. which was also true. 
Well, he left out one caveat. What was that? If, if the governor turns the power and authority of the unit over to the president, they can deploy you just like a regular army unit. So fast forward two and a half years, right back in the big sandbox in 2009. I was like, oh, I can't win. But I mean, to be honest, you know, I know me and you have chatted about PTSD and, you know, I know you saw my video on the Guardian website. That deployment is really what fixed me. I was just kind of a straight leg soldier in my first redeployments. Didn't have a lot of responsibility. Was never in charge of more than two or three people. You know, I was a squad leader slash uh, platoon sergeant uh, by the time 2009 came around. Uh, and I still remember, you know, we're, we're prepping, we're moving uh, to go over there. And, uh, and it, it, the way I got past, uh, past PTSD, and this is probably going to extend in a much larger conversation, it's controversial. The day that I started getting better is when I quit feeling sorry for myself and realized that I'm not entitled to anything anybody else is not entitled to, you know? And uh, I don't know. Have you ever heard of Matt Best? No. Uh, he's the co-founder of Black Rifle Coffee. Okay, yeah. Uh, yep. Right, yeah, I'm a big black rifle. Well, I was watching one of his uh, videos. You know, he makes humorous videos. That's how he dealt with PTSD, right. you know? Uh, and he says, the, what you got to do is once you get out of service, you got to find your next mission, you know? And it's going to be super cliche, but that happened to be corrections. I got out of the Army, you know, got back from a deployment. Uh, my best friend, who's, you know, who's a deputy now, who's also the godfather of my daughter, he, uh, you know, he saw me wasting away when we got back for, in 2010 on that deployment. And he was like, dude, just come work at the sheriff's department, you know? So, you know, that's what every person does when they get out of the military. They're like, oh, I'm going to go be a cop, you know? Right. Uh, and so everybody has to start in the jail. Uh, I started in the jail, uh, found out, and, you know, that I loved it. I, I loved the people in there. It, it, it was weird. It was, you know, you lose that sense of camaraderie and brotherhood. Uh, I'm not trying to be sexist, but I was in an all-male unit, so I don't say sisterhood. My bad, ladies, you know. You know, it was, a, you know, that military brotherhood. And then I didn't have it in the civilian sector. I tried going to college, you know. It, it, was, it was an awful, awful experience, you know. Uh, and then, you know, you work in a jail where everybody around you now has PTSD. You know, we can talk about this a little bit later. <laughs> All right, right. Everybody's got that dark sense of humor. You know, they make inappropriate jokes at inappropriate times. Mm -hmm. And like within six weeks, I'm like, these are my fucking people. Right. You know, right. I was like, ah. in the end, you know, uh, you know, I, I did that for a year and the patrol spot came open. I was like, you know what? I don't want it. You know, I want to grow in the jail. You know, we're a big jail, a lot of room for growth. And then I saw that rest of the army came out in me and I was like, I just saw how crappy some of the leadership that I had was as I was coming up in the jail. And I wanted to be that person that got promoted to change that. Uh, and that has been my life's mission over the, my, I've been in the sheriff's department right at 10 years now. And that's been my life's mission. I started as a line officer and I wanted to absolutely change the dynamic of leadership and supervision in our jail. Uh, and now, you know, I, I went from, line officer to sergeant to lieutenant and now I'm the captain I'm the jail commander I have 100 staff members up under me and uh, it, it's pretty funny you know people ask me you know how, how's it going there and I said I know I'm doing my job right when the officers love me and the supervisors hate me nice sorry I kind of a bit of a tangent there yeah no that's okay that's okay I like I, I'm a big yeah. fan of uh, tangents and soapboxes yeah so what's your what's your uh, so what's your favorite part about being uh, being a correctional officer then? Why'd you stay? What do you what do you love about it? 
Well, you know, we, we talked about it. Uh, you know, I'm unique because I got out of it, went to the private sector for a little bit and then came back. Uh, it's honestly, it's, you get to see, it's a dose of reality every day. Right. You know, it, it's not like the, 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 the unicorns and puppy farts that everybody thinks the world runs on, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, you, you see people at their worst, you know, being the civilian populace. And I'm not saying every person that is in jail or prison is a bad person. I'm not saying right, that at right. all. But then you see that these these officers that come to work day in and day out, they come to work sick. They're probably, you know, we're definitely understaffed, you know. Right, They're probably is. underpaid, yeah. you know. And they just show up and they do the job, you know. And it's that's my best part is that, you know, it's another bit of a tangent. When I was making the decision – to leave the private sector and come back as a captain, as the jail commander over in Soto County. I was sitting in the Oklahoma City Airport, and, th- uh, and I don't know how many of your viewers believe in God. You know, I, I, I'm a spiritual, but, you know, non-practicing or whatnot. But an Army chaplain, what are the chances there's an Army chaplain in uniform in the airport the same time as me in the same gate on the same day that I got offered a job to come back? And he saw me, you know, uh, and he said, you know, hey, you know, are you all right? And, you know, I told him my history. You know, we talked about war. We talked about PTSD. We sat there and talked for an hour and a half about everything. And he goes, well, what makes you happy? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, from an outsider looking in, he was like, you've always led people. You've always wanted to be in charge of people and to guide them, you know. And once he said that, that leads into your question of what's my favorite thing about corrections is I get to mold it into exactly the way it should be into a profession where people are happy to come to work. You know, I might not can pay you as much as it, but I can give you a safe environment. I can give you policy procedures that you can follow that are going to protect you, you know? Uh, and I'm going to, and I can give you an administrator that is going to protect you when you do something that you feel that you might not have, have done, you know, like I tell people, that, you know, everybody thought when I came back, because, you know, everybody thought I was the army asshole, you know, and I was like, no, it's not really that. It's, you know, when, when an officer messes up, you, there's three things you have to determine, right? You need to determine if it is a training issue, because that's not the officer's fault. Right. Is it a policy and procedure issue? That's not the officer's fault, right? And usually I would say 90% of write-ups fall into those two things, which means I tear the write-up up and we can... Uh, course correct that officer to be a better officer the next time they show up. You know, that's by far my favorite thing is the molding people. And I don't know if that's the sadist or whatever in me, but you know, I just, I, I like being in charge of people and, and molding them to my mission. You know, no, I think you have, I think in corrections, you have a great opportunity to make a, a, a huge impact in people's lives, whether it's the staff or the inmate population. I mean, I just think that, I think that, and I think a lot of op- officers don't understand that opportunity. They don't understand the importance of what it is that we actually do just by Absolutely. just by yeah. showing up and going to work, just by, you know, a treating, treating a population of people who has never been treated with respect by anybody. And we treat them with respect and and, mm-hmm. and the same thing with your employees. And I like what you're saying, because a lot of a lot of facilities don't have that bridge between administration and, and, and staff. And there's a there's a, a serious divide. And, uh, but, but I think that to, that, that you're showing them that they're important to you and, and you're, you're kind of making that your mission to, to make them as, as happy as they can be as safe as they can be. I mean, I, I think that's commendable, man. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I learned a lot when I was with Guardian. I learned a lot from a warden over the Lebanon County prison in Pennsylvania. Super weird if any of the people watching uh, are confused by me saying prison. Jails in Pennsylvania are called prisons, like county jails. What me and you would call a county jail, it's called a prison in Pennsylvania. It's the only state that does that. I'm glad, their, I'm glad you their. said that because I just, I just, before we got on the air, I just saw a news article. Uh, of a prison in Pennsylvania, yeah. and I was like a prison, and and they just now stopped uh, visits and volunteers mm. coming in, just now. Holy moly! Just now, yeah. we stopped that back in January. Woo! Yeah. And 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 I'm like, you know, and 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 the the I don't know who he was, the governor or whatever, the the whatever politician was up there, and he's like, yeah, I'm doing everything I can to you know, keep people safe. I'm like, well, you're like six months behind the the rest of the country. I mean, what's right, what, right. what's going on here? You know? So not to throw blame, but they're one state where the union writes all of their policies and procedures. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I got introduced to the union thing, but there was a warden at Lebanon County, one of the, the best guys I met. And, you know, I'm in, you know, installing the guardian system up there. We're testing it. And he goes, okay, so this will keep, uh, all of my officers accountable. He goes, but how do I keep my supervisors accountable? And I've never been asked that question, you know, That's because so they're we, not supposed to be held accountable. Right. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Until then. And not, it was like just this brain explosion. I was like, Oh my God, I can use this system. So we set up, you know, the officers have to do their checks, their pod checks, cell checks, whatever your facility calls them. Right. But then supervisors are just left there to do whatever they want, you know? He was like, can we make supervisor checks? So me and him sat down and put up these RFID tags and all of the different posts where supervisors are supposed to routinely go. Wow. And he set up hourly checks for supervisors to show that they're going to each of these officers posts at least once an hour. And he said the morale went through the roof that it was actually a warden interested in actually making supervisors work rather than, because the brunt of the work always falls on the actual line officer. Right, right, you know? right. And they they all think the supervisors don't do anything. And are there supervisors out, out, out there that are like that? Absolutely. But most of them are not like that. But the more engagement you can get, especially from an administrator or at least a shift commander, you know, down to the first line supervisor, the more they're engaged with the line officer, the the, the, the better your morale is going to be. Right. You know, and he helped me realize that. In the Army, it's like, do as I say right now. Just do it. Right. You know, uh, I don't care if your morale is low, just go do it, you know? So it, it, it's a different scenario. No, it's a huge help because especially right now with all the shit that's piled on, uh, you know, if you got a guy that's pinned to the desk, that's not going to get up and help and you, and you're just bombarded with all this other stuff. Um, it really, it really changes your outlook on, on your day when that guy's going to get up and, and, and load trade carts with you or, you know, walking yeah. down the hall with you or, you know, make those rounds. I mean, there's no lonelier feeling than being in a housing unit and not seeing another officer the whole shift. I mean, it's just, you're, you're on an Island by yourself. And, and so, yeah. and so if the escorts go in uh, or rovers or whatever you call them and the supervisor goes in, I mean, that's really like that. I mean, that's help. That's a huge help. I think it's funny that to have that, to have those, uh, uh, spots that those supervisors got to hit. I mean, that's probably why the staff, the staff probably thought it was hilarious that they had to, that they had to, 
what's it a dose of their own medicine you know if you will oh yeah it's great you know and that was probably the 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 biggest headache that i gave uh, my sergeants and lieutenants when i came back as a captain to soto county because you know a a lot of these people i was i grew up i came up as an officer with them we were sergeants together or you know when i was a lieutenant they were my sergeants i was even with the other lieutenants i was probably an officer with them and then now i'm their boss right and when i started making supervisor checks and I started making the actual shift commanders do all the perimeter checks, you know? And I'm like, it's your responsibility right. to make sure this, the outer perimeter is secure, to make sure I need you walking, you know, through here to see if the jail is serviceable, you know? Because it's going to be your ass's name on the lawsuit when Jimmy John files it down in federal court because, right. you know, his, his water's not hot. You have the sandwich guy in your jail? What is that? The Jimmy John? You have Jimmy John uh, sandwich? Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm hungry, so I just thought of Jimmy John's, I guess. Yeah. Nice, nice. There you go. Somebody send yeah. uh, somebody send Jeff some Jimmy John's. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even like Jimmy John's. You don't? Yeah. You, are you, you, do you do some They got one sandwich that's okay. I'm a Lenny's guy. What's that? Yeah. What's Lenny's? I don't, I'm not familiar. Lenny's is just like a sandwich shop here uh, in, in the South. Better than like, uh, are, do you guys have Subway? Uh, yeah, better than Subway. Subway was good in the 90s before there was anything else, really. Yeah, before their founder became a chomo, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. No, nah, he, was, yeah. he wasn't the founder. He was the... the, the oh, no, yeah, he was just Gary. He was just, yeah, yeah, the fat guy lost all the weight. Yeah, yeah Jared. Jared, that's his name, yeah. <laughs> Jared. Jared, Jared would be in protective custody. You're right, yeah, or Jared's eating footlongs right now. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> So that's why I was asking earlier. What are my limits? You so, know? So, yeah. talk, so, 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 what's this? Tell me more about Lenny's. What's it? What's the? What's the good sandwich at Lenny's? I like. Uh, wow, I didn't think I was going to be talking about Lenny's I, tonight. Yeah, I, I yeah, asked. Totally. I asked the hard hitting questions. Like, what's your I know, favorite right, sandwich? Man, you're making me so hungry. I hate you right now. Actually, <laughs> no. It, I get a deluxe club extra bacon. You know. Okay. Sure. So it. it yeah, it is a uh, turkey, uh, roast beef, and bacon. Nice. Is what I get. Nice. I get extra bacon, of course. Chips? You get chips? I'm a Doritos guy. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I'm a I'm a Cool Ranch Dorito guy. I like Cool Ranch. I am Dorito. too. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. With, with that's a, yeah with sandwiches. If it's just by themselves, I'm a uh, nacho cheese. Guy. Do you put the chips on your sandwich? Uh, man. Wow. Well, how do you know me? Yeah. Especially if it's a bologna sandwich, I'll put the Doritos directly okay. on the yeah the bologna okay. sandwich. All right. I like yeah. it. I like yeah, it. I grew up poor, man. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. You're not wearing pants. Uh, I have shorts on. Yeah. Okay. I had a I had a guy on a few weeks ago that wasn't. He was in his hotel room and he was not wearing any pants. So. Uh, did he have underwear on? I, I he did. Um, okay. Yeah, and at some point he chose to get up during the interview, so it was it was kind of fun. It was kind of fun. Oh wow. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, uh, he kept talking yeah. about donuts, and it was a whole thing, and I and I. I didn't think he really, he said he had a, a dozen donuts sitting in front of him. He was a cop. He was a cop. So of course, okay, of course yeah, he yeah, had yeah. donuts. He had to have donuts like right there. And, uh, and so he actually showed me the box and he actually had the donuts. Uh, so yeah. So you're a, um, you're a gamer too. Is that right? Uh, I, I do, uh, partake in the, uh, uh in video games. Yes. My wife, uh, been married six years. She congratulations, was a, little, a little iffy at first. But once she realized I didn't have any of those super expensive habits that all of her friends' husbands had, uh, she was like, you know what? You can play the shit out of video games. I don't care anymore, you know? 
And there was a couple times where we used to like watch TV together mm -hmm. and all I would do is, cause I don't watch a lot of TV and she watches a lot of reality TV. So I'll just make fun of all the people on there, right. you know? Or like, yeah, they'd be in PC or, you know, <laughs> that guy's definitely show up, you know, or. Right. So what's your, so, yeah. what's your, what's your, so my wife says the same thing. I tell her when I'm, I do stuff, I said, well, hey, it could be worse. I could be, I could be one of those husbands that's going to the bar every weekend, you know, and. She's like you. Right, gotta, yeah. She's like you got to quit using that excuse because that's like that's ridiculous. Every time I want to do Bars something, they're expensive, like, man. They are, they are. But that's and, and then you got to drive, and it's not it's not probably in our line of work. We shouldn't be driving uh, under the influence. Um, yeah, that, that, so, yeah, yeah. That's when I was a super young man and being stupid. Yeah, me now. That, that's a career ender here. Absolutely. What's your so what's yeah. your uh, what's your are you a do you do Fortnite or what or what's the <laughs> what's the game? Uh, no, 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 no. I tr I played Fortnite one time because I, I got three nephews who were 11, 12, and thirteen. Okay. And that's like their jam, right? And I am awful at it. You know, they try to get me to play Call of Duty, and I am awful at Love it. Love Call you know? of Duty. Black so I was like, yeah, I was like, all right. First off. If we were really in war, I would kill all of you really quick with my bare hands. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, you know? And, and the worst part is, especially if you're playing multiplayer, you know, and there's like a 10-year-old talking shit to you. Sure. Because, you know, yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm just terrible at it. So uh, I, I, I usually play single-player games. So I do. Uh, so, yeah, we, we played. Uh, I loved Call of Duty Black Ops. I'm terrible at it. I was. I'm one of the guys that finds a spot and just sits. So I, I, that's how I was. I get made fun of though. No, 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 no. So me too. Me too. You know, so my kids are like, dad, you can't keep doing that. But I, I just go and I sit and I just shoot them as they come up the stairs. And, uh, yeah, no, but otherwise I was terrible. And I, I would play. And when I play against other players online, I would die like 30 seconds into the thing. I mean, I was just terrible at it. And yeah. And no idea where you got killed from. No, no, I, I don't. Yeah. And it was, you're right. It's probably some, some 10 year old, but, uh, but no, and so I, I'm not, uh, when I used to play a lot of video games, I would play games like Resident Evil or Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah. uh, You're showing your age. That's PS1. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah. That's right. No, no, I played those same games. Yeah, so. And I, I played Tomb Raider for hours, man. I had a I had a, a friend that would come over and he would sit and he was like my co-pilot and and we would just play those play just play those games. So, But now I'm terrible. I can't play. My kids play, you know, the Fortnite and they do the... Uh, uh, was uh, it Apex? Uh, they, okay, I, I Apex know. Legends. Yeah, yeah they yeah. do a lot of that stuff, and and I'm just not. I'm just no good. I'm just terrible. I'm not very good. Yeah, uh, yeah you were asking earlier. Uh, I'm pretty big. I, I probably played most consistently World of Warcraft. You know, I've okay. always been in that, especially when I was deployed. Oh, you know, like especially in 2003 when there was no internet over there. There was nothing. Like all you had was books. You know, oh, and the best so. books to read were those like thousand page fantasy novels, you know? Right. So it was weird. Like in Fallujah, Iraq, I got trans transformed into this D&D nerd reading these, you know, books about Dungeons and Dragons, sure. you know? And then I got out of service. So I'm like, oh, there's video games where you can do that. I don't have to read anymore. And I, you know, I've just been addicted ever since. But then it, it kind of goes back into that PTSD thing uh, is that, you know, my social skills, according to the VA, are awful. And I would have to agree with them that, you know, I don't have good social skills. Okay. Inside of jail with, with you know, with cops, you know, with a bunch of COs, yes. ex-soldiers, great. Perfect, you know? yes. Put me in a room full of normal people, nope. I'm the weird guy. Right, right. Yeah. Right. 
and, and it's not the weird guy because I'm just sitting there not talking to that. So I don't want to say anything that's going to offend or make any of you mad. You don't want to upset a random, a random f bomb, you know, right. at you know Sally Joe's wedding. They're I'm fragile. Sorry, They're know? fragile people. Yeah, super fragile people. Yeah, yeah. But you know, when I got out uh, playing those uh, online uh, role playing games, you know, it, it helps you connect with you know with people on a social level, but you don't actually have to talk to them. You could just log off. You right. Know? Right. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Let me ask right. you, do you have, do you have any, so you said you read some of those fantasy novels, you play some of those games. Do any of those trigger you when you play them now, when you read them now, talk about them now, does it take you back to Fallujah? No, no, no. Honestly, uh, yeah, I actually, uh, I got to ask this the other day, uh, you know, because there's so many different forms of PTSD. Right. Really, the only one. I mean, you got to talk about I, my worst deployment was 14 years ago, so it's been quite some time. You know, the one that I, I say actually, you know, turned me into something different. You know, the one that changed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the only thing that triggers me is a bag of trash on the side of the road, or a cardboard box in the middle of the road, or like a cinder block sitting on the next to the road. Because those are what IEDs look like overseas, you know? Okay. And, I, and even though I know there is not an IED in Hernando, Mississippi, but if I drive over a cardboard box, like, I get the butthole puckers like nobody, and I was just giggling because, like, I, I will really think it's going to blow up, you know? And right. I'll just laugh at myself like, bro, you're an idiot, you know? But uh, I don't really get the triggers, but I also don't put myself in those situations anymore. I can watch more movies. People don't like watching more movies with me because I'm like, his uniform's yeah, incorrect. That sight's on backwards, you know. That's terrible, you know, small unit infantry tactics, you know. Right. You you killed doing that, you know, things like that. So So what's your what's your but, you said you don't really watch movies? I, I really don't. Uh uh I, I, let me take that back. I watch movies, I don't watch TV. What's your favorite you know? what's your favorite movie then? What I mean if you don't oh, like movies, what do you what do you what do, you watch favorite it? movie of all time is what you want. Favorite movie of all sure, time? Sure. Forrest Gump. Really? Tom Hanks. Forrest Gump, yeah. Tom Hanks. It's, Incredible. I, yeah, Tom Hanks. And, it, and it's just because it was a, you know, I saw it when I was 14, and no matter how many times I watch it, it's, it's just still the most genuine movie I've ever seen. Probably after that, uh, the only movie that's really, you know, kind of goes back to you, if anything triggers you, the only time I've been triggered was when. Me, my wife, and my mom went and saw American Sniper with, uh, you know, the story about Chris, Chris Kyle. Kyle. yeah, yeah. And it was just the most authentic representation of what Iraq looked like. And, you know, in the theaters now, got, you know, like the, right. it really feels like you're there, you know? And, uh, and then, you know, it showed the funeral things. Now, I've been, to, you know, way more, you know, flag rate funerals than I like to admit. Right. Uh, and, they, and they had to help me out of the, out of the theater. And after then, uh, I, I kind of like, you know what? Maybe it's not a good idea to go to public to watch those kind of movies. Sure. So, uh, you know, I don't. Yeah, no, that's... I still watch them at home, you know, but it's just... It's not that it triggers PTSD. They just made me sad, you know I mean? In my opinion, he was an American hero, and the way he went out and the way the climate is about people, it's, it, it kind of goes in, you know, to corrections law enforcement and the military, I, I would jumble those in all into the same group of they probably do the hardest job in America with absolutely the least amount of recognition. Right. You know, and for the longest time, it's always been, you know, the military and law enforcement. And then in the now, you know, you know, not to toot your horn, but 
it's people like you that are trying to bring light onto the corrections field. You know, like uh, my director gave a speech at one of our academy uh, graduations a couple years ago, and he goes, and he's been in the corrections since 2005. He said, never would I thought that in 11 years, corrections wouldn't just be a job for people. It's now a career for a lot of people. It's a career for a lot of people, you know. Uh, You know, funding agencies have started to realize that you have to pay, you know. Right. That's our big thing here. You know, we're, I mean, we're technically the highest paid uh, jail in the state of Mississippi because Mississippi is in the Stone Age. Uh, with a lot of stuff, we are the dumbest, fattest state, according to some polls I saw. But uh, <laughs> do you guys get like a, an award for that? Something in the mail or what? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Is it Colorado? CNN. I think Colorado's the fittest state. I think I saw that. I, no, I thought it was the highest. Well, it's both altitude and marijuana. Nice. Yeah. I love, I love Colorado. I really love Colorado. Uh, the mountains. I didn't like it because every time we did PT in the morning in the army, I threw up. No, I can't run. I can't run. Yeah. I can't. I just want to sit and stare and have the mountains stare back at me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I loved it. You know, we were in Colorado Springs where I could look out, you know, the patio of my apartment complex and could see Pikes Peak. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was gorgeous. You know. Pikes Peak's gorgeous. Probably the the only base that I didn't enjoy being stationed at was Fort Lewis in Washington State. Like it is the mo- it was so depressing. It rained or missed eight months out of the year. But isn't there know? like isn't there like beautiful forests and things like that out there? Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> it was funny that you asked that. So uh, part of your training in the infantry is you have to do land navigation, right? Okay. Vegetation is so thick in the forest in Washington. You have to use the roads to find your next points. You know, you, you usually you just look on a map. You know, use your protractor and compass and plot a point and walk. But they had ferns in Washington that looked like they were at a Jurassic Park. You know, <laughs> it, it was yeah, yeah. You got to go when you got to go around a fern and not through it. You know, something's wrong. Right. Right. And then the women there, you know, I don't know if we can talk about that, but either they were tens or negative twos. That's how Washington women are. I've been married. Yeah. I've been married for twenty years, so I don't know. Um, I don't know how the scale is. I'm married to a ten. Uh, and she's oh, she's, look at you sucking she's, up. Good well, job. She's perfect. I mean, she puts up. Yeah. She puts up with me. Uh, and I'm starting to grow hair in weird places. I'm, you know, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm getting fatter. I'm getting slower. I'm getting. Uh, I'm, I'm turning into my dad, only a bigger asshole and, uh, and she's hanging in there. So, I mean, I, you know, that's, that's a 10, that's a 10 on my Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll give that to you on that. Yeah. My wife puts up with uh, my craziness and it's, you know, every time you think, Oh, is it worth it? But then when you realize how much crap they put up with, you know, it's really amazing when you find a woman like that. So you've been, you've been, you've been with her for six years, your, your wife? Been married for six years, known each other for eight years. Okay, so, so uh, were you still in the military then when you were uh, when no, you got together? Uh, no, I had, okay. uh, I got off active duty in uh, 2006 and joined the Guard for two years. Then it got activated. It's been another two years activated. Uh, and then my last two years, on and off activation, uh, and then started working at the Sheriff's Department. I met her in 2012 because uh, – have you ever, what do you call, do y'all have Dear John letters or Jody letters at your jail? Is that what y'all call them there? Oh, yeah, yeah, Jody, yeah. Okay, yeah. It was so funny that that 
I thought that was a military thing when you get a Jody letter or sure. a Dear John. Right, right. I really did. And then you get to jail and the inmates get them, right? right. And you're like, oh my God. You know, it almost like humanizes them to where it like puts you on like, hey, I got one of those when I was in Iraq, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it, it, it's I, crazy. I took my, uh, you know, I took my boy on a tour uh, of our facility before he left. So when he was able to call us in boot camp, you know, I asked him, I said, how are you doing? And he told me some of the things they were doing and kind of the, you know, what the play, he goes, dad, it looks like, it looks like your facility. And he said, uh, you know, he's talking about they were playing, you know, they, they had, had taken some paper and made their own cards and they were playing cards at night. And I'm thinking, God, I said, you guys are living like inmates. You're like sneaking out, you're hiding food, you're playing cards in the middle of the night, you know? So... Absolutely. I completely agree. You know, I went and through in 99 and there was a black market for Snickers bars, you know, things like that. You know, I remember paying five bucks for a Snickers bar in basic training. Damn. So, I would do for that. The people brave, yeah. Brave enough to sneak off base while, you know, while everybody was supposed to be asleep. Right. I did not have that set of cojones. I was sleeping, you know, I would do that for like a Reese's peanut butter cup type deal. I, Snickers I'm, is okay, but. I would I would not risk my freedom for us. Uh, <laughs> I would do right, I yeah. would do it for Reese's though. Yeah, cans of dip for twenty five dollars. So wow. it's funny you say yeah, just because you know, none of that was allowed in basic training. Right. You know? right. there was no cell phones. You know, nothing. So let me ask you this. So I I kind of I, I kind of gained a a, a a different perspective when my son was uh, at basic training and uh, we. So when you send him a letter, as soon as you send that letter off, you're waiting. You're waiting. Did he get the letter? Did he get the letter? Did he get the letter? You know, is he, when, yeah. when are we going to hear? And, and you know, and uh, up until that point, really, like, I understood that mail was important to the inmates. But, like, when it would come in, I would get a little pissed when they would swarm me right away. And they're like, hey, is that mail? Is that mail? Is that mail? And I'm like, you know what? I'll get to it. I'm going to do it later tonight. Um, but every time our, our, our mail guy would drive down the street, I'm like, did he send a letter? Did we get a letter? Did we get a letter? Did we get a letter? Right, right. And, uh, and so I'm like, you know what? Um, I'm going to start giving out mail right away because, uh, it is a big deal when you're waiting to hear from somebody you haven't heard from or, or there's something controlling your, you know, your communication to, to the outside. So it was kind of a, it was kind of a, a different, you know, different perspective. It's Uh, eye-opening. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much so. Very much so. I, I applaud you for have, uh, having the ability to be empathetic. That is something that our profession, uh, and it, it just as America as a whole, we've lost the ability to do, is to be empathetic to people. And people are thinking that sympathetic and empathetic are the same thing, not and they're the not. Thing. Right. You know, right. They're absolutely not the same thing. Don't feel sorry for people, and don't feel sorry for yourself, you know? But you need to be able to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And and it's so crazy you're talking about, there was absolutely nothing more important in basic training that after dinner chow, you know, you went upstairs, you know, and then everybody had to go get their boots. You put on your PT clothes, you went downstairs and everybody had to shine their boots together. And that's when mail call was, right? And nothing was more motivating than getting one or two letters in the mail from, even if it was a Dear John letter, you didn't care. It was somebody from the outside, you know? And it was nothing as crushing, you know, as every day that went by that, you know, you sent out letters and you're not getting anything back, you know? So I applaud you for being able to to make that distinction. I have, um, 
I have empathy for, it kind of goes back to what you said about, uh, you know, being in a room full of convicts and, um, I'm, I can, I can show that empathy. I can, I can, uh, relate. I can communicate. I can deescalate. I can do all of those things, but you get me in a room full of school teachers and, and doctors and I'm just, I, I don't give a shit. I'm not, I hate you all. Right. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm I'm mad at them because they're happy. I'm mad at them because they've never had a restrained in, a naked guy covered in his own shit. I mean, I just you oh, know. you've had to do that too. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mine was meth. A naked guy. I had to spear into a wall. You know, he was covered in meth sweat. Yeah. I remember. Um, so I've been I've been at my facility for uh, almost 16 years now, and I remember uh, a few years ago. Um, standing, I was standing at a cell and I was talking to an individual. He had flooded his cell and he was actively shitting while I was talking to him. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to get him to con- to clean up his room and, and just to kind of communicate with him because I don't want to fight the guy. I mean, it's too late in the shift. He's covering his own shit. There's wa- I just don't want, I'm just, I'm not 25 anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember... Um, First of all, I'd never seen a grown man's shit standing up, and uh, oh yeah, yeah, and so it. Uh, I was like, you know did what? It fall straight down. It it did because it was loose. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, okay. like, yeah. So, um, I I remember thinking, you know, um, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I don't. This <laughs> this this was really this this situation would have really got me going like three years earlier, uh, but now I was like. That's why I put so much emphasis on communication, because yeah. if if I could just communicate, if I can just deescalate and 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 get out of it, then I just then I just don't want it. I I'm tired of rolling around. I you know the when we run to the alarms now, the young guys just smoke me right. They just boom, they're just going like torpedoes, man. And I just go ahead, go get it. You know, I'm cheering them on. Go get it, get in there. You know, because uh, <laughs> it just it hurts when I hit the ground now. You know, it takes me, oh, it yeah. takes me three days uh, to to quit being sore after wrestling around. Yeah, I can throw my back out sneezing the wrong <laughs> way. So yeah, yeah, I threw my and back I out. I work out, is what I don't get. Yeah, I can sneeze the wrong way, and I'm like, oh, I'm done for the rest <laughs> of the day. What's a funny story? Uh, I, I actually almost killed myself yesterday being an idiot. No, oh, it just gosh. shows you know, now, no matter how much training and uh, maturity you have. We have the ability to be complete idiots. So what happened? So uh, as I'm getting older, I've, I've been doing intermittent fasting for about six weeks to, you know, try to lose weight and, you know, things like that. Okay. Well, but I also, uh, I, I donate blood every eight weeks because of a condition I have. I didn't put them two together. So yesterday at the end of my fast, I went and donated blood. Oh man. And I was in such a hurry to right. get back to work that I did not partake in the orange juice and cookies as I left the blood donor bank. Oh my gosh. By the time I got back to work, the nurses at work looked at me and they're like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I don't feel good. They're like, you're goat's white pale. Right. Right. You know? And I told them what happened. They're like, you need to go home. And, and so I get home. I can't find Cause you know, I've been trying to eat healthy. I can't find any, any unhealthy sugar to like boost my blood sugar. I ate five packs of my daughter's fruit snacks to get back to where I needed to be. Nice. And I was like, you know what? I, I'm almost 40, and that's the dumbest thing I have done in a really, really long time. Wouldn't so, that be... Wouldn't that be so, to the young. 
What's that? Wouldn't that be something if you did it? You've gone through all the things you've gone through and and uh, and donated. That's what took me yeah, out. That's what took you yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. How did that? Low blood sugar from donating blood. See, and yeah. that's that's a that's a perfect that's a good story because that's exactly why I always keep a pack of double stuffed Oreos, the family size, in the pantry just in case I ever my blood sugar gets low and I it's it's just for an emergency. It's for nothing else. Yeah, I'm going to steal that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know? you, yeah, you can even put it, you know, behind glass uh, break in case of emergency. Uh, I'm going to keep it in the glove box of my truck, you know, a pack of Oreos. Yeah, it's even better. It's even better. Because if you if I keep them in the house, they're going to be gone. So I, I, I need to. I need That's to. why, yeah, they're gone. Yeah, I'll wipe out a row at a time. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 did, I did have a... Uh, um, I did have a question for you. A, a Shoot, yeah. It's a hard, it's a hard hitting, uh, you know, cut to the quick kind of question. If you don't mind, um, what, sure. what? Do I need to refill my drink for this question? I, I, I don't, I don't know. How many have you had? How many drinks? Yeah. I, I mean, I've had two. Well, that's not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. I was gonna say my drink is empty, so I don't. Oh no, I'm yeah, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm gone. I'm gone too, but that's okay. I uh, no. I want to know. I want to know what Jeff Jackson, uh, what song, uh, when you're riding when you're riding to and fro in your car, what song? Oh, yeah. What song gets you going? What song do you belt out at the top of your lungs? Don't care who's next to you. Don't care who's listening. What's your What's your song? Like around other people? No, I, no, 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 no. Okay. Because because when you're around other people, you yeah, okay, there's some yeah, you're self-reserved. Okay, uh. I I want you. I want to know in, in your in, in your shower, whatever. When you're alone, when you're doing nothing, when 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 Mama's left you to your own devices, you pull up something on your phone. What is it? Uh, <laughs> you mentioned them earlier. Literally anything by Five Finger Death Punch gets me roaring and and why did i mention five finger death punch uh because i said you look like the lead singer of a heavy metal band <laughs> yeah. well and two i had never heard of five finger death punch they actually came out to our shitty little base in northern iraq in 2009 nice. and played a live concert for about an hour they had to shut it down because it got so wild talk about people in uniform in right. a mosh pit oh, right. it was a horrible time yeah, but I was like, I've never heard of this band, you know. But, I've uh, seen them in concert; they're awesome. Yeah, they're 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 super pro corrections and right, law right, right. Super pro military. Their music is it, just great, you know. If you even if you don't like heavy metal, if you just listen to some of their words, it's just like they they really have a message that's out there, you know. So another another band, um, another band that I, I kind of like is um, is Hatebreed. Have you, do you listen to Hatebreed at all? I used to not as much as Fire and Death. I listen to Hate Breed. Uh, so they, they had this song. They had that song, "Destroy Everything." Destroy. Yeah. Everything. Oh, so the, and the reason I bring that up is because I used to work before I worked corrections. I worked at a funeral home, and so I I picked up bodies. We embalmed them. We did funeral services, all that. We did the service. We did a we did a military service, and um, and there had been you know I, I've done hundreds of funerals, and you know they always. It's the same bullshit music, right? It's the same songs, uh, Ave Maria, all those things. And so we're leaving this. We're, we're, we're getting ready to finish up the ceremony. We're at the graveside. Uh, this, this, this kid puts a, a boom box on the, on, the, on the casket, on top of the casket. 
and he right. and he plays he plays destroy everything by Hatebreed. <laughs> while we're while we're I mean all these old people in their suits and all this and I thought and I was there with like the you know the Patriot Guard riders and they were all okay. you know all these uh, it, it was just a it it was a one of those scenes that's forever ingrained in my mind that it, you know just this magnificent tribute and then that's the song that, that you know that his buddies wanted played uh that's awesome oh, man, it was yeah. amazing it was amazing it was incredible so yeah uh and then probably anything by uh, i'm a pretty big slipknot fan okay yeah yeah and it's, it's just uh i mean i listen to probably everything except modern rap i don't like modern rap you know the crap that's coming out now right like 80s 90s like nwa dr dre eminem sure. i can get behind i sure. love it uh and then like contemporary jazz which is the worst shit on earth like anybody that can sit around and listen to contemporary jazz, like you're a sadist. Like you, you like, you know, yeah, you cut your hair with a Parmesan cheese grater, you know? Right. Right. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, Jeff, any, uh, I, I appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. I'm not going to keep you very much longer. Do you have any, uh, I've had a great time talking to you. Great conversation. Um, and, uh, it was everything that I wanted it to be. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts or closing words for, for the people at home, um, anything. Well, you know, it, it, it's about, you know, I, yeah. What we were talking about earlier is that, you know, you know, there's a lot of times where you're going to feel overworked, underpaid or whatnot, because for a long time, the correction profession, it, it was in the shadow, you know, like we, the joke around our jails, you know, we're, we're still the redheaded stepchildren of the sheriff's department. You right, know? right. But when you break down and look at, look at it, the jail gets first dibs on patrol slots. The jail doesn't have as much as the the, poli- the politics that, you know, that a normal sheriff's department has. But just realize that the culture is is changing, you know. And, uh, you know, we're having a, a big re- – we're in a recruiting stump right now. This is the first time that we've been five vacancies in our shift or, you know, for our jail you know, that, that my director can remember, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that goes along with the climate uh, that the media is pressing for, right. you know, de- defunding the police and things like that. You know, uh, I would say, you know, just try to keep your head up. You know, all this shit's going to end as soon as the election's over. All this crap's going to go away. It's going to be like, I, I, I'm dead serious. Like, I'm dead. November 4th, like, yeah, Black Lives Matter and coronavirus and all that other shit is literally just going to stop being played on the news. You know, it depends. But, on, you know, it depends keep, on what happens. Yes. Yeah, keep your head up. And at the same time, like I said, it, it, it hits people the wrong way. But two two ways you can fall off the horses. I was thinking about this earlier. When you when you do something like the military and law enforcement corrections, you can fall two ways. Uh, when you fall off the horse, you can fall in thinking you're that you're entitled because of the job you do. You know, you wear a uniform, you do something you know that a lot of people don't want to do, uh, or you can fall into self pity. You know, either one of those traps you got to get out of, you know, and, you know, you know, and, and it's important, you know, for sources like this to get out there, have a drink with your bros and your sisters and corrections. Talk about the bullshit, you know, maybe in like, and like, a, maybe you don't want to do it, but I'll, I offer up dialogue to my, like, I call my officers just to talk to them all the time, you know, right. Uh, just, you know, open up a dialogue with the administrators, you know, about the, because one thing I learned for working for Guardian was that. The best recommendations for that product came from line staff, 
They didn't come from wardens. They didn't come from captains. They didn't come from lieutenants and majors and all that. They came from the people that are actually using the product. And I took that to heart. So now if something is wrong in my jail, if something's being wrong, I don't go to a lieutenant on how to fix this. I'll go tell the officers and be like, hey, what would make it easier for you to do your job? How would your job be easier, you know? So open up your dialogue with your supervisors, you know, don't get bummed out when things don't go your way. Don't, you know, quit watching the, my biggest advice, quit watching the news. I don't care if you watch Fox and CNN, MSNB, quit watching all of that bullshit. Right. I know they're all pushing a narrative, you know? Yeah, unplug. Yeah, yeah. You know, know that the, the populace loves you, that, you know, you're doing a job, you know? So, you know, keep your head up high, you know? Don't feel sorry for yourself. Well, I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate you hanging out with us tonight, man. I appreciate your your service in the in the in the military. I appreciate your correctional service, and I appreciate everything you're doing for your staff. And I'd love to have you back on, and absolutely, uh, and uh, and have another drink with you, man. I I really enjoyed it, and uh, and take care, man. We'll see you soon, okay? Bye, right, bro. Take care, right, man. Brother. Have a good night. All right, gentlemen, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. That's all I got for tonight. I hope to see you next Saturday. My guest is going to be uh, David Jordan. He is a correctional officer and creator of the new Facebook group, Project Watchtower, and I'm going to post a link to that. You need to go on over to that. He's trying to start a peer support uh, page uh, for correctional officers to reach out and help other correctional officers, and we need we need a 1,000 of these pages, right? So get out there, help David, support David. We're going to talk to him uh, next week. Uh, guys, I appreciate you spending your Saturday night with me. If you enjoyed the show, if you liked the show, please consider being a Patreon supporter of the show. I'll post a link in the description below. And uh, I hope to see you all next Saturday night. Until next time, guys, be smart, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll talk soon. Let's go.